North-South Connection podcast listening audience, welcome once again to another wonderful edition of Viewer's Choice, uh, only here on the North-South Connection. Uh, we do the heavy lifting for you, so sometimes you don't have to. And on this very episode, as we have Sounds of Freedom rolling in the background, it is AEW Full Gear, live from The Rock. The Prudential Center in wonderful Newark, New Jersey. Mm. I believe it's Newark, right? Yeah, you're, you've got that right. Uh, as always, it is Tim and Marcus here giving you the must-watch, must-skip, and MVP of the night. Marcus, how in the H are you? Uh, doing all right, man. Uh, got to see a couple of my favorites tonight, so I'm still riding pretty high. Um, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I watched uh, I watched Zero Hour. That's right. Uh, coming into coming into the AEW pay per view, and then you know the bell rang, and then the bell rang, and then the bell <laughs> rang, and then the bell rang. Um, very uncharacteristic AEW show, at least in my thought. We'll talk more about it as we go along. But um, if it's your first time listening to us, or your first time in a long time, welcome back. Uh, but we're here to give you kind of the nuts and bolts of what we just said. We're not here to give you a full breakdown of all the headlocks and wrist locks and wins and losses. But we're here to kind of pare it down for you. I know there's some people that are true blue to the WWE that would never watch AEW. Um, there's some people who, you know, the price tag of a $50 pay-per-view is a bit, uh, a bit steep, considering that we've been kind of spoiled with the premium live events on Peacock. In this economy? I know, right? Um, shrinkflation is not a thing for AEW because you get every dollar worth of matches at least. You get like a Quantity, full, absolutely. Qu- quantity for sure. Um, quality, we may talk about a little bit here tonight. But we're here to give you the must watch of things that we think met or exceeded expectations the must skip, which are things that had high expectations and maybe did not meet that criteria. Um, so save yourself a little bit of time. And of course, your MVP of the event. Marcus, if you want to go spoiler free uh, through the card order before we break it down. Absolutely. So on the Zero Hour pre-show, you had uh, Chaos, or Best Friends, however you want to call them. Uh, That's Orange Cassie, Trent, Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, and Dan Housen uh, taking on the factory of QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, Nick Camarado, and Cole Carter. Uh, Then we had Ricky Starks defeating Brian Cage uh, to advance to the finals of the AW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, We then had Eddie Kingston defeating... Jun Akiyama, pretty decent, right? Um, in what was Eddie Kingston's dream match. Um, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then Eddie Kingston gave a real solid uh, promo to get us into the proper card. I know. Uh, who needs fireworks when you've got Eddie Kingston on the payroll? Uh, so let's get into the card proper. Uh, opening us up was a steel cage match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. We then had the Death Triangle and uh, the, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the Elite, for the six-man tag team championship, or excuse me, the AW World Trios title. Uh, following that, 
was for the AWTBS Championship, Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Following that, we had the ROH World Championship Fatal 4-Way match, which was Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Claudio Cascanoli, and Sammy Guevara. We had Soraya taking on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Samoa Joe, Wardlow, and the Powerhouse Hobbs uh, in a three-way match for the AWTNT Championship. Sting and Darby Allen taking on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal <laughs> in a no-DQ tag team match. We then had Tony Storm defending the AEW Interim Women's Championship against Jamie Hayter. Hater Hive, rise up. <laughs> For the AEW World Tag Team Championships, the acclaimed defended against Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. And in our main event, we had John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against MJF, who was cashing in his chip. You know, looking on paper and you reading through that card, um, there was a lot of uh, pragmatic thought and thought expressed by Tony Khan that this is going to be the most historic night in AEW history. This is going to be possibly the best pay-per-view that AEW has done. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely a change from what we're used to. Um. I don't want to put a lot of, um, before we actually get into like the nuts and bolts of tonight, this is the first post-pay-per-view appearance since the Great Donut debacle, um, or muffin. Have some respect, it was a muffin. It was a muffin, excuse me. It was an inferior donut. Um, (laughs) the Great Muffin debacle where we were... We were told that certain people couldn't manage a target, uh, where we were we were reminded that someone was old and tired and uh, didn't want to work with children anymore. Um, but this is the first uh, outing on pay-per-view since the buzz has gone away from, you know, the happenings of AEW's last pay-per-view all out. Alleged happenings. Um, I mean, I don't know how alleged they are. We had, we had, I mean. Look, if there's one thing I know from I wasn't, podcasting, it's how I, to avoid a lawsuit. I wasn't there, but I'm looking at receipts. I'm seeing things that happened. Like, I'm not talking about the backstage happenings. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the happenings of what I saw at the press conference and then what I immediately saw the Wednesday after the pay-per-view in which the world title gets stripped and the trios titles get stripped. And it happens to be with the guy, same people that are involved in these implications nice. that take place. Um, Just a heck of a coincidence if you ask me. Uh, you know, but I'm, we're not here for rumor and innuendo or hyperbole or anything like that, but it is something to say that, you know, AEW has had to go through a bit of change since All Out, the press conference, and the two months since, well, actually, it's been more than two months, no, like two and a yeah. half months yeah. since All Out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, it feels like a lot of reshuffling, a lot of emphasis being put on different characters, different performers within AEW. 
Um, so this is the first time they've really had to shine on their own without a big spotlight like CM Punk. Um, also giving a little extra light. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people that are not us that are going to look at you know, buy rates and ticket sales and how things went in a post-CM Punk AEW, or at least a C. I won't say post CM Punk because that leads into like where CM Punk actually stands, but a CM Punk less AEW the last two months. Um, unsure. Uh, the big question mark is to where the rest of that is. That is between that is between the powers that be and CM Punk and God. Whoever that God is, you know, whether it's Bret Hart or someone else, you can just decide on your own. Um, but with all that said, um, much to do about nothing. We are here at uh, Full Gear, and they really had the opportunity to... Oh, there's that word again. There's that word. Uh, to showcase, put their best foot forward. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. It's... Um... Almost like a little bit of like a new generation pivot for them. Uh, if this is their um, Survivor Series 92, maybe. Um, we have a lot of familiar faces. We also have um, some faces that have been around for a while that are getting pushed up the card or that are getting um, a little bit of extra shine. They're shedding some old skin. Um, there's a lot of moving forward, I would say, um, going into this pay-per-view and coming out of the pay-per-view as well. For sure, and and kind of in that same light, I know you'll will, there will come a time on North South Connections WWE War where you will talk about Survivor Series '92. Ah, uh, yeah, some point. And um, I'm pretty sure it's not gonna get uh, you know SummerSlam '99 grades <laughs> or uh, Royal Rumble '05 grades. Right, we'll see. We'll see how the formula favors. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be low and kind of in that same vein, it's, it's kind of low for me, Mm -hmm. um, kind of immediate reaction, not necessarily having a lot settle, but there's a lot of stuff that was, I was more excited for that on any other card, I would probably immediately put in like the must skip category. But I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt in this reshuffling era and not giving it the full downgrade of must skip. But there's a lot of stuff that to me felt uh, inconsequential is maybe not the right word, but a lot of flatness. A lot of, I don't know. Like, do you know where I'm trying to? It's. I. I think it's a lot of. Uh, a lot of rebuilding, and I talked about it just a little bit earlier. Uh, AEW's been forced to pivot, uh, for one reason or another, and they've also taken the initiative uh, to listen to the fans, and to pivot with some of their characters as well. Um, which will lead me to my first must skip of the evening. And that is going to be the uh, Soraya 
versus Britt Baker match. Okay. Um, you know, excellent for her, uh, Soraya that she's uh, back and yeah. uh, and cleared and uh, you know to have your career ended when it's not on your terms. Um, Big know. green points for Soraya, the person. Absolutely. Like getting um, getting that part of her, getting this part of her life back. Right. Um, but as far as this match, the story that was being told, uh, I felt like Britt Baker had to win. Um, and I think I, I'm never a fan of people doing the big comeback and winning like super decisively, like with their finish. Um, in, just because in it shows multiple, multiple finishes in a row. Yeah. Cause it just shows like, Oh, I just took all this time off and I came back and I just beat somebody who's been here. Like it's the old, like part-timer versus full-timer thing. Um, and in a way for me, so um aside from that the it just wasn't for me and i don't think structurally or mechanically it was bad um it just i think i think with them going in and planning this feud with Soraya as the you know up and uh uh you know up and not up and coming but returning um hero and like this underdog that you want to root for, um, that didn't happen with a lot of the verbiage that was uh, <laughs> used in several several weeks of promos, uh, not just an isolated incident. Right. And Britt Baker, in turn, um, kind of became the de facto face because she's the one who's been here. Uh, and when you go on live TV and you tell somebody who only got their first TV opportunity, really. Uh, in AW, mm-hmm. and the fans saw the growing pains, and saw AW pivot, and were there for the rest of the character development, and no matter how many, no matter how many villages it took to get Britt Baker there, she got there, um, and she is an established character for AW programming, and when you tell that person that you're not a superstar, you're telling the fans. Um, that they wasted their time. You're kind of disrespecting the fans. So, um, whether that was planned, I don't you know. I don't think so. But they had to pivot, and I think that just messed up the match that they were going to have when you have a comeback match. Like, right. how do you come back from a neck injury and the personal uh, the personal hurdles in Soraya's life? And come back and automatically be the heel in a match. Yeah, it's like five years ago. I know Soraya, uh, she tweeted about it today, um, the day of the event, that she got her diagnosis that she was done on November 20th, 2017. Mm. And her first match back is November 19th, 2022. So literally... Five years, Mm -hmm. because you got a leap year somewhere in between there, so it adds the extra day. Um, It is a good feel-good story for for Soraya, um, but I don't know if it does favors moving forward. Um, It kind of does a little bit in a way, um, considering what I'm going to say is probably one of the shining must-watch points of the card. 
which is Tony Storm versus Jamie Let's Hader. Let's get to it. Hater um, Hive. H- Hater Hive is great. Um, but if Britt Baker would have beaten Soraya, the impact of Britt physically kind of stepping away and being a second mm-hmm. to Jamie Hader may have felt more unnatural. Uh-huh. Um, but in this with Rebel and with Britt Baker and the work that Tony and Jamie did. Yeah. Like, if if this match is a sign of where the AEW women's roster can go, this match kind of covers the two black eyes that the women's division got earlier in the card. One from the must-skip of Britt and Soraya, and the other with Jamie Hate or with Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll kind of talk about both at the same time because I think the other one is a must skip yeah. as well for the simple fact that I feel as though they're going to AEW is going to alienate the the audience to a certain degree with how. They portray Jade Cargill on pay-per-view. Yep. She gets exposed every time she's on pay-per-view. Yeah. They put her in these matches that are... Like, how long was this match? Eight minutes. It felt like 12. Mm-hmm. It felt it was long and plotting, and it was the blind leading the blind at certain times, and that's not like... Like, I've never been in there. I'm not a wrestler. I don't know. And, like, there were spots of good in the match but to me if jade is this like unstoppable unbeatable champion she doesn't also need to take like all of the offense from the challenger yeah this has been a big issue for me too like like, she doesn't need to have these 50 50 matches on every single pay-per-view she just needs to win like decisively Especially in a feud that she's been having with Nyla Rose, where Nyla hijacks the TNT or the TBS championship, she should have been big mad, mm-hmm. came in, stomped her out, get the belt and go home. Right. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin for the the interim AEW World Women's Championship, Hater and Storm put on a banger. There is a bit of overbooking with the rebel run in and the hate and even though I praised it overbooking overbooking can sometimes be good mm-hmm. but the run in of Britt Baker I think the run in of Britt Baker does more for the dynamic of that trio yeah um moving forward um very interesting to see a dynamic in which Britt is not positioned as the star of the trio right and she's taking a she's personally physically taking a back seat and openly displaying that Hater is the the star of this. Mm-hmm. Um and Hater's been due. Yeah. Uh, big, big do. Um good to see her finally getting her, her flowers, getting her title win. Um at some point, I know Tony Khan had mentioned it that uh Eventually, we need to make the women's title reign linear. 
Mm. Meaning no longer interim. Yep. But, uh, you know, with Thunder Rosa and her outside of the ring issues and injuries, whether it's actual injuries or if it's other things that keep her away from the ring. Um, I hope she can get get herself back in order, come back. Because, I mean, in ring, I think Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hayter would have a banger. Mm-hmm. Jamie Hayter's going to pull that out of her. And I think Thunder Rosa, when motivated and um, on her stuff, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it stinks that we had to sit had to see Cargill Rose and Baker and Soraya to get to like the must watch gem of a world title match. I mean yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. I think as um as far as like wrestling matches go, this was match of the night. I thought they killed it. It was the match that bell to bell uh, without without uh, prior favoritism, it was the match that I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would definitely uh, triple stamp that double stamp and give a must watch to Jamie Hayter and um, uh, friggin' uh, Tony Storm. Is there anything else that's must watch or must skip for you? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give a must skip. Um, I'm going to give a must-skip kind of just by definition to uh, the six-man tag match. Okay. Because there's six more coming. Especially now. I feel this is this is very interesting because prior to the announcement of the Best of Seven series, I would have been inclined to put this match as a must-watch. Mm-hmm. I thought that the storytelling in the match with the Death Triangle and the Elite was great. Um, I didn't know that I kind of missed at least Kenny Omega. I've turned around on Kenny Omega. I didn't dislike Kenny Omega. He just wasn't my guy. I think I disliked Kenny Omega by proxy because he hangs out with some <laughs> young bucks. But Kenny Omega jacked and ripped and tan is awesome. <laughs> I mean, he's my birthday twin. And you mean to tell me that at some point I could have turned out to be Kenny Omega? It's either Kenny Omega or who else is my actor? I think it, Mike Trout. It's either Mike Trout or Bryce Harper is my... I think you're Bryce Harper. My Bryce Harper. I could have been either one of those guys. I mean, I don't want to be Bryce Harper because he can't win a title, but that's fine. But uh, the, the match, the match is great. Yeah. However, they sterilized that match by telling us there's going to be six more, or up to six more, mm-hmm. in a best of seven series that continues this Wednesday on Dynamite and can lead to a match seven in the Cow Palace in California, which automatically tells me this is going to seven because they're going to California, where the Young Bucks are from, in the Cow Palace. And they're gonna give the straps to them there. Like you're prognostic you're like you're essentially just telling me what's gonna happen. And Babe Ruth pointing to the outfield. You're you're yeah. exactly pointing to the outfield. Yeah. Um That said, like for that style of wrestling, 
um, I mean, this is probably as good as it gets. Like, the, these guys are all awesome at it. You've said it before. And, like, I'm going to give credit to you for the phrase, high spot porn TM. <laughs> like, that is your phrase. I mean, I stole it, but I'll take it. Who'd you steal it from? Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, fair enough. Everything gets stolen in the dark. Uh, but they're the kings of high spot porn. Mm-hmm. There's no one that does it like the Young Bucks. Yep. If there's gonna, if you're gonna have them, let like the you you say this a lot with high flyers. I don't want all the high flyers. I just want the great ones. Everybody can high fly, but then there's like a difference between being a high flyer and being like a ricochet or a pack or a Rey Mysterio or anything like that. Like miss me with everybody else, but give me the best. Give me the best at the, what they do. Nick and Matt Jackson. High spot supreme, you know, and there's something special when they go against the Lucha Brothers. Because I think if you're looking for who's next in line after that, I think it's the Lucha Brothers who are number two. They're spectacle um, twins. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Kenny fits into that because he does spectacle, but he also doesn't do, he, he minimizes the amount of unbelievable mm. that he does. Yeah. But he peppers in, like, the being extra yeah. of it all. The yeah. pageantry. Yeah, we've talked about it. Like, it goes, to me, it's the, the Christian match. Like, that Christian feud, that's where it, like, switched for me with Kenny Omega. Of course, because he got brushed with the skeleton key. <laughs> you know? Um, this match on its own is must-watch. But because it was neutered by the information that there's up to six more of these throughout television through the rest of the year, it makes this match a little less special. Yeah. Even with the special entrance with Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas, um, like, it is not anything to write home about considering that we're going to see a lather, rinse, repeat at least three more times because it's a best of seven. So there could be a 4-0 sweep. But you kind of made a good point, too. If match one has a dude getting hit in the head with a hammer, <laughs> where do we go from here? It'd be interesting to find out. Um... Everybody has a hammer. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a must skip. Okay. Throw it on me. You already know where I'm going. John Moxley and Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Uh-huh. This could have been a statement match and a statement victory for either man. Instead, much like with MJF and everything that he does, this is also a bit of low-hanging fruit that gets plucked off the vine they go the path of least resistance. To quote Jim Rome, it is uninspiring. It's unfunny. It's uninteresting. The The way we get to MJF now being the grand poobah of all AEW, considering that two and a half months ago, he was MF and Tony Khan left, right, and center. It's all... Uh, calling or everybody still remembers him calling Tony Khan a, a effing Mark 
and they're calling him the God's greatest gift to everything and the second coming of Roddy Piper the second or the third coming of Roddy Piper and the second coming of CM Punk and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like MJF is not for me. If MJF is for you, congratulations. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you have somebody who you 100% believe in. MJF is not for me. Um, people will say, uh, oh, well then MJF's doing his job. You don't want to see him. I'm about to tune out of AEW programming now that MJF is champion because I don't care. Like, MJF does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I know when history is done, I will probably be wrong. And I will be the only person dying on this anti-MJF hill. But until then, until the war is over, Marcus, <laughs> I'm sitting here waving. I'm, I am both. Standing your ground. I am waving the flag and playing the drums and playing the trumpet, waiting for the soldiers behind me to show up on this hill. Um, but the match itself... The match itself was kind of meh. Like, I would have loved to have seen a statement match, considering that this is, like we've said before, this is a building block pay-per-view. It's a rebuilding pay-per-view. If you're going to rebuild, you want to rebuild on a firm foundation. Mm -hmm. This match, this main event, this AEW title match, not that. (laughs) To me. You and me, we've both been watching wrestling for over 30 years at this point. Combined, we're probably at 40. I still don't understand what's going on, and that's not a good thing. Um, do you remember the song Telephone by Lady Gaga and the, Beyonce? The American Gem, Amer- Lady Gaga? <laughs> yes. Do you yes. remember the song? Do you remember the music video? I mean, I remember that it's a whole bunch of I don't know what... It's too many ideas. It's too many ideas going at so one time. So you're saying that MJF right now is a fever dream? Not a fever dream. I'm just saying it's too many ideas going at one time. He's playing a bad guy who is playing a good guy who is also fighting for the last rose of William Regal who also already had five or six other dudes in his camp. Who who handed him the opportunity... Oh, there's that word again. ...that he needed to earn himself. So he goes into this match after shedding his skin of the firm mm-hmm. to be able to do it on his own to then, get this, not do it on his own... I just feel like any time that would have been invested following the story would have been wasted. It's just too many ideas going at one time. Like you said, this is a building block pay-per-view for AEW. Um, They're in rebuild and reload mode. And if you're going to have them win the belt, like, have them win the belt, like... I, you know, I I just don't understand why William Regal was so integral to this story. When you do have Stokely Hathaway in the firm there. Well, it's because Stokely Hathaway didn't tell MJF he couldn't go to WWE 
four years ago. And there we go again, right? So, is um, this a callback to the Soraya p- promos with MJ or with Britt Baker? Like, the, yeah. The the one thing I did enjoy about this uh, this main event was uh, the observation that we had while watching it is that John Moxley is uh, Batman, the Dark Knight of AW. Um, he's not the hero that AEW deserves, but he's the hero that AEW needs. Uh, he has been nothing but awesome and rock solid uh, since he debuted in the company. Um, he's been nothing but authentic, uh, and he has embraced whatever role the fans cast him in that night, hero or villain, and he has delivered every single time he's in the ring. And on this night, he has to drive into the night on his Tumblr motorcycle with the 5-0, with an APB on him, with the dogs following him, chasing him and howling uh, into the night. I just thought that it was kind of whack that the crowd wanted to play along with MJF. And then he has this big, ah, uh, it was a heel all along moment at the end of the night. But that's also what everybody wanted. So it's just, I, it's too many ideas going at one time, my man. I, I just need some focus. And maybe that's just a me problem. But this is way too many ideas going on for somebody that's been watching wrestling for 30 years. Right. I just, it's... Not for me, fam. But you know, we have some. We have a we have a handful of friends who were at the Rock. Um, That's right. Both within the quadrupods and outside of it. Um, I'm very curious to see and hear from from those who were in attendance on like the feeling of inside the building uh-huh. versus the feeling that we got on television. Right, because there's always a difference between like a live experience and the, the stay-at-home experience. Right. But speaking of feelings, there's one man in particular, Mr. Joe Sposto, that I can't wait to hear his feelings on because I have a feeling that we are in alignment here with my last must-watch of the evening. It, it, <laughs> It almost doesn't make my must-watch for the simple fact that when J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T... That's right, folks. ...waves to the back, Queen Karen didn't come out. Oh, man. Instead, we get Jobber Sting 1 through 4. Hoodie Jobber Stings 1 through 4. That was Especially, like, front left shark sting that was being John Moxley sting. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Trying to maximize his minutes, her. He was, for sure. Um, But yeah, the the tag match with uh, Sting and somebody versus Jeff Jarrett and somebody. So we've been jumping around this whole entire card. Um, I think it's accurate, at least for us to say, watching at home. There was nothing that either of us were emotionally invested in up until this match went on at around the 10 o'clock hour. Right. And at the prime of their careers, Jeff Jarrett and Sting, I would say, saved the show. If, at the very least, they resuscitated the show. They they definitely 
they brought the paddle boards out and they jump started this gun this guy and they they put a, a pulse back in it now i don't know if the i don't know if the the victim survived the rest of the night but they definitely got a jolt here with Double J. Ha ha. Getting getting feisty with a fan who spat on him. Uh, and then Pie facing another fan in the front row. Love it. Um, Double J is in fantastic shape for 55. How does he look better than the year 2000? Dog. He's turned into Jack, into Jack Grandpa and it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> per, per, uh, you know, Big Pharma's big... You know, there's a lot of supplements and uh, creams and lotions. Uh, he's just been eating chicken and rice, brother. Topicals. Nothing but, nothing but chicken and rice roll, double J. He's um, inge- oh, so he's injecting it into the meat before he eats it. <laughs> his, but to see Sting... Did he, did, he put his, did he put his meal plan on a meal plan? Is that what he did? <laughs> to see Sting and Jeff Jarrett just deliver the fundamentals at an expert level of execution by the way it was like eating filet mignon by the way i i don't normally have a lot of positive things to say in the year 2022 to jay lethal but jay putting in the lord's work on that gorilla press to the apron yeah oh my gosh what a bump <laughs> what a back-breaking bump marcus, like, marcus and i looked at each other and we were just like <gasps> i cannot believe yeah there is uh so he does he does uh the flare spot into the corner, runs the ropes, goes up to the top rope, Sting Gorilla presses him off, but instead of throwing him into the ring, he throws him onto the apron and Jay Lethal splits the difference. Oh my gosh. Yes he did. He split the wickets, man. Yeah. Um But yeah, I my night was made. Um my money was well spent being able to see Jeff Jarrett and Sting. In a ring I mean, we against got the, each other. We even got like a little bit of the spooky Jeff Jarrett theme. Ooh, that's right. We got uh, <laughs> we got we got my world uh, spooked and cut. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, I'm looking forward to more Jeff Jarrett. Um, yeah, Jeff Jarrett's a guy. Don't need to see him uh, in the ring every dynamite. That's not going to happen. Double J knows better than that. Uh, but the character work. Um, Man, I just love it. That's that's my brand of wrestling. I know some people uh, aren't so big on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, there's still time to come around, folks. <laughs> this was this was the high point of the evening from a personal satisfaction point. I can believe that. I'm not gonna say that's must watch or anything, but it's definitely it's definitely uh, one of the more enjoyable parts of the the festivities uh, tonight at AEW. Yeah. Um. Aside from like that, I think I don't have anything else that's must watch. And I have a borderline must watch, which is not really what we do, but like I really enjoyed the tag team title match between the acclaimed and swerve in our glory. I was going to give like credit to that for the MVP of the night. Oh, okay. Um, which kind of, I guess we can, instead of giving the must skip or the must watch, um, to me, MVP of the night is Swerve Strickland. Okay. Um, I think if using a phrase you used earlier on the show, uh, maximizing minutes. Mm. We were talking about Moxley Sting. Um, Swerve utilized every minute, every frame he was on the screen. Um, he was doing something. 
the story between him and Keith Lee might have been one of the better stories they told on the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, from the entrance to the match itself, I thought Swerve Swerve came out looking like a million bucks, and he's my MVP of the night. Um, I would definitely go out of my way. I wouldn't. I don't want to. Let me let me put those words back in my mouth and not. Um, if you love the acclaimed and you love Swerve in Our Glory and you're invested in the the three match saga they've been on, do yourself a favor. And finish the story. If you're watching it just based on this match alone, maybe you can skip it. But as a trilogy, I think this is a very nice ending mm-hmm. to that trilogy. Um, and I can I can say ending with a, a little bit of hair on my chest, with some gusto, uh, just because of the way that it actually breaks down on the match. Um but I think it's I think it's a great story they told, and boy, new KRS One looking nice. <laughs> yeah, it's theirs now. I don't um, know if it was Swerve taking it that was really great, uh, but the acclaimed finish is real nice. Yeah, um, it's theirs. It, it looked real good, and I'm glad they have a, a tag team finish. Aside from the move, move, yeah, like. Bowen's doing that swinging, like, rock bottom deal. Yeah, into the elbow drop. Into the mic drop. Um, it's the evolution of the acclaimed. Um, I'm glad that they didn't get, like, a shorter run here. Um, right. I'm glad it looks like they're going to be moving with them um, for at least a little bit more time. Who do you think is the next challengers to step up? Do you think we finally get FTR? Or do you think that we're going to continually keep FTR away from the titles in perpetuity? Until at least they lose the, um, until at least they lose the New Japan titles January fourth. Mm. I'm I'm assuming they're gonna lose them at either Wrestle Kingdom or the New Year's Dash afterwards. And, well, no, I think New Year's Dash is before Wrestle Kingdom, but. There's always like a show after Wrestle Kingdom mm-hmm. that's kind of like the hard reset to where all like the Bullet Club stuff usually happens, where somebody gets kicked out or somebody takes over or whatever. Um, so, I do you do you wait that long? Especially like if Bowens is really hurt, maybe this is an opportunity for them to. Oh, there's that word again. To kind of settle their kettle on. You claimed for a minute. Yeah, I would let it ride. Like, depending on how bad that Bowen's injury is, like they don't need to be on TV defending the belts every week. Um, you know, you got some time to see how he heals. Um, and I don't think there's any need to feed them to FTR anytime soon, um, unless they're going to be beating FTR, um, which I'd be cool with. Because, like, again, you're kind of moving your younger talent up the card and trying to establish uh, new acts moving forward. And you got to do that with wins, man. And just have the acclaim keep winning. Um, have them be more than just uh, the scissoring act, um, which is still tremendously over and a huge part of the show. But, um, yeah, for them to be able to get done done in the ring is huge. And, um, yeah, I would if they are going to face FTR, I would love to see the acclaim go over. Um, my MVP of the night... Oh, it's tough. Um, 
I'm gonna go with Jamie Hader. Um, it's a came, fair answer. I came very close to good old Double J. Ha ha. Um, but I'm gonna go with Jamie Hader because the fans got behind her in the the spring and summer, and it was almost like a ha ha. Okay, we get it. Wink nudge. Right. We 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 get it. But she kept that ball rolling. Uh, she has a natural charisma about her, and she can more than get it done in the ring. Um, and she's really shown that she might be their best female worker. Um, and to carry that over into the pay-per-view match for the interim, t- uh, interim women's world title, the last pay-per-view, where everybody thought she should win, and she didn't, and then to still, you know, stay red hot with the crowd into this match, and now to win the title, and to see where this group goes moving forward, and to see what like what she can do with this reign. Um, I think this was her night. Um, I think I'm going to remember Full Gear 2022 for the crowning of uh, Jamie Hader, as opposed to anybody else on this evening. Um, so I'm going to give it to Jamie Hader. That's fair. As always, though, this is just our views and opinions uh, expressed before. Um, it's always up to you guys to make your final decisions. Just kind of save you a little bit of time and take a four-hour show and turn it into 45 minutes. Um, but we thank you so much for listening. We're You're going to get a healthy dose of us next week, too, because we're covering WWE Survivor Series War Games. Uh, big five one five war games matches. We got the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. You've got Team Damage Control plus Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley versus uh, Team Bianca with Alexa, Asuka, Mia Yim, and a mystery fifth who we'll probably know here coming up on Monday or possibly Friday. Um, either way. Um, but there's uh, so much more for us. We're, we're heading in strong into the final uh, stretch of, uh, of the year 2022. Uh, possibly we'll give you a, a viewer's choice uh, year in review episode once all the pay-per-views and premium live events have kind of ended. Um, I think that could be something we could arrange as like a, a best of, worst of kind of series for us. We like to do those. Um, but we thank you so much. Check out every, you have you have breaking news. Uh, just just uh, one running stat correction earlier: the best of seven series match seven, if necessary, would culminate in Los Angeles, California, at the Kia Forum, uh, not the Cal Palace. The, the Forum, even which is even like bigger than you know the Cal Palace, uh, but still in California nonetheless. Right. Um, but. If you enjoy us here, there's so much other nerdy wrestling-related, non-wrestling-related topics throughout all of the North-South Connection. Uh, Check Marcus out every other Saturday uh, with JT or WWE War, uh, Wrestling Above Replacement. They just finished the 2004-2005 season. It is not a spoiler. You can say what you're doing next. What's the next year's? That's right. Following, wrapping up this uh, 04-05 season. Uh, we are starting 2015-2016 WWE. Ooh, okay. This is your first foray into kind of 
more modern WWE. You did NXT. Right, we've done NXT, but yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, can't wait to uh, discuss it with JT and uh, share that with you all. I'm very excited for that. I know it's a, definitely a destination listen for me beyond the fact that Marcus is my best friend in the whole world, so I'm a little biased, but JT and him do remarkable stuff, as well as everybody else on the network, whether you get the Jenny position stuff uh, between uh, Freak Out Drive-In and uh, you heard about Pluto, um, JT just doing yeoman's work with uh, Wrestling Warzone. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Holds Barred. With No Holds Barred. You got Next Gen on a Mission, or New Gen on a Mission. Um, everything that is on the North South Connection, definitely give a listen to NorthSouthConnection.podbean.com uh, is your spot for that podcast dropping on the regular. Um, you ha- we also have like our bi-weekly wrap up of of the current wrestling products right now with the AEW podcast. If you know, you know. Uh, you know what that means. Or you know what that means. Excuse me. Uh, you know what that means as well as clothesline and headlines 2.0. Uh, so much good stuff there as well. Um, be remiss if you did we didn't pr- um, plug our other other podcast, uh, Final Wrestling Place, over on the soon-to-be-named network, where Marcus and I have been, over the last couple of weeks, putting in Good Place and Bad Place Hall of Famers. That's right. Uh, so it's definitely a fun time. If you enjoy what we do here, you'll enjoy what we do over there as well. Uh, at... T and M or T N M shows or on Twitter, your T and M shows on Twitter uh, to catch all those podcasts as they drop or over at the soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com um, as well, or, or at STBN network on Twitter. Um, until next time, where we talk about uh, WWE Survivor Series uh, War Games. Always remember, it doesn't matter what Marcus and I say, the choice is yours.